Welcome to the new and improved. Yeah, there it is. Your American heritage, baby. <laughs> Thank you, Theron. Theron's got to work on his timing there. My name is Ed Bondarenka, and my pronouns are we and the people, and I am... Not your normal fluffy insurrectionist. And producing the show, and the guy that keeps it all hanging together is Derek Stone. So, um, Derek hosts Stone Cold Sports Sundays at noon 30. You need to listen because it comes right after my friend Sean Todd on the intersection at noon. You should listen to that because it's not your normal fluffy Christian show. All right. So it's day 675 of the coup, the theft of the American government by enemies, both foreign and most importantly, domestic. Our federal government has been stolen by the illegal actions of leftist politicians. Prove me wrong. And they have no regard for you or yours, only they and theirs. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. This is spiritual warfare, okay? This is good versus evil stuff. This is really serious stuff. This is not just some political battles. There is a, there is a war going on in the background. <clears throat> we are at war. Psalm 144, I've said it before, and I'll say this again too. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. So please clasp your hands, lock your fingers together, bow your heads, and let's pray. Let's go to war. Father, please protect our nation. Please deliver us from our oppressors. And please enlighten our citizenry to the present danger. And please give us righteous representation in government. Please restore goodness and morality to the governance of our nation and to our states. Please lead and guide the American people in the days to come. Amen. So joining Amen. me, thank you, thank you. Joining me, and for those of you who don't know, or who can't see this, of course, because it is radio, I appreciate every time that Derek Stone bows his head and prays with me, and as you all are, and my guest Scott Powell was doing the same thing, because joining me is Scott Powell, author of Rediscovering America. Scott was on last week, and I'd hoped to talk about his blog post, which was titled, Why the Red Tsunami Turned into a Ripple. But we ran out of time talking about what was the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday, and we talked about his book, Rediscovering America, and his chapter on Thanksgiving, because Rediscovering America is a great book you need to read. I'm serious about it. You should have it on your bookshelf, and uh, I'll reference it at the holidays with your family. So... Uh, Scott's an author, he's a consultant, he's an entrepreneur, and he's a senior fellow with the Discovery Institute. So we had an election a couple weeks ago, and I'd like to talk about it, as painful as it is. Now, I'd like to predicate this by saying, I do not think America is over, as I've heard many people say, oh, America is over. Even my friend Sean Todd seemed to apply on his, imply on his broadcast last week that we just got to get used to being in the minority. I don't believe we're in the minority. Now, Christians have always been a remnant, but people who are willing to fight for good Christian cultural values even include Jews. So, you know, there is that. And uh, it's a fight. And uh, it seems that when I was looking this up, Edmund Burke never said this. And the people who let me know that seemed to be crowing about it like it wasn't true. But the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And it's true nonetheless, whether Edmund Burke said it or not. And too many are doing nothing. They are not voting. And this is 
demonstrable. So then we have other stuff going on. Scott, you talk for a while. I've talked too long. Well, I couldn't agree with you more about our being in a spiritual battle. Uh, this is way beyond politics, right and left, Democrat, Republican. We're in a, you know, in a spiritual battle, the likes of which we really haven't seen in our lifetimes. So, um, but there's, you know, sometimes you have to go through the valley of the shadow of death uh, before you, uh, you know, before, before you begin to make a recovery. And I think that things can get very dark, <clears throat> necessarily so sometimes that people would wake up and that they would then be more open uh, to the truth and to the light that, uh, you know, that, that you're sharing it and that others are sharing because people that have been conditioned for many, many years uh, to just accept what they see around them is just a, you know, the reality, it may be a progressive reality. In other words, things are changing in a more and more progressive way, uh, but they're not necessarily really ready to accept that it's a full-on spiritual battle. But uh, I think that's what it takes to turn the country around. Yeah, I mean, it, to make another biblical illusion there, there's a, a, to allude to something as an illusion, I think, but not in a, and regardless, <laughs> I can't get that word straight. To allude to something is uh, uh, what I've seen happen in the book of Judges, where every now and then uh, Israel just had to get their nose rubbed into what they were doing. The fact that they had slacked up on what God wanted them to do and they got their noses rubbed right in it. And then they're calling out for deliverance and God delivers a Trump or I mean a judge. God <laughs> delivers a judge and the judge leads them and uh he takes them out and the Philistines are pushed back and, and they live a godly life for about 20, 30 years, 40 years later. They're back where they were again because they're doing the wrong stuff again or they let stuff slide in. Now, we don't want a theocracy in this country. We don't want this, uh, oh, what do they call it, dominionism where, you know, oh, the Christians rule the country with a rod of iron. Now, that's the millennium. Wait for it. <laughs> but right now, right now, we just, we just want to see the same kind of values uh, uh, that this country was based on. We we just want to protect babies' lives. I mean, that's we want marriage to be what marriage is supposed to be. And what I think most Americans would agree with, uh, and when I say most, I say a majority of Americans. Uh, an example of that is that Prop 8 in California where they voted against gay marriage. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I mean, in California, they voted down gay marriage, Prop 8. And then you have the Supreme Court saying, oh, no, you, you got to take gay marriage. So I there's the question of, did we lose this election because of, of people's norms and mores? Or was it taken from us? Or did not enough people vote or a combination of all three? Do you have any opinion on that? Yes, I think it's a combination of all three. I think that we really didn't... Uh, make the reforms we needed to after the 2020 election. I mean, there was there was industrial scale vote fraud in, in 2020 in, in states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, uh, Arizona, and Nevada. And these, these states, there were some reforms that were made in, in Wisconsin and, and elsewhere, but by, but we really didn't get the kind of 
vote reform, and sometimes it's very difficult because the voting laws are established by uh, the Congress of each state. And so when you when you don't when, when you don't have a Congress committed to voting transparency and voting predictability um, because because the system is working for them. The, the system works to ensure that their that their party gets elected. Uh, it can be a challenge uh, to to get uh, the kind of reform we really do need. But nonetheless, <clears throat> I, I think that that um, progress was made. But the the reality is is that the Democrats are still taking advantage of mail-in ballots, and the in some states it's almost a you know, it's almost a season. It's not just a few weeks. It's uh, it's a month or more than a month, uh, two months of um, of a period where ballots are mailed in, and the Democrats are very good about uh, getting their people to mail in ballots. The Republicans, on the other hand, I think we all came to be suspicious of the mail in process, and our calling was to show up on election day and vote in person. The old-fashioned way, uh, but I think that uh, we might really want to get into the game of um, getting our people out, getting our people to mail-in ballots too, uh, depending upon each state. <clears throat> I've I've heard that said, and it's one of those things where I go like, I only intend to vote once. Now, I don't. If I vote early, I've voted early, and I don't know what they're going to do with those votes that get mailed in, I don't know if they're gonna get lost in a closet or something. I, I, so I come in and I show up on election day and I, I'm a conservative, that's the way it's always been. So that's the way I think we should do it. But then you get into Maricopa County and they say, sorry, you fool, <laughs> we're not ready for you. Go home, come back tomorrow, go somewhere else. We don't have any ballots. We don't have any printers. We're out of toner. Uh, what are the dog ate my homework? And you can't vote today unless you stand in this line for three hours. And man, I heard Charlie Kirk talking about that. Uh, and he lives in Arizona. And he said, statistically, if for every precinct, that was having issues in Arizona, every precinct for every hour, if three or four Republican more votes had occurred, Kerry Lake would be undisputed, the governor of California, I'm sorry, of Arizona. And the same with the uh, the guy who was running for AG and, and, and Senate also. So, you know, those are the kinds of things, you know, I don't wanna use a Joe Biden word shenanigans. That's outright, outright criminality. But it we really, paid the price. It, it really is. It, it is a total failure of the um, of the voting, the, the supervisory role of voting in Arizona, in Maricopa County, and surrounding counties, uh, to make sure that everything was ready to go on election day. There's there's no excuse for the systems failing as they did because they they worked previously. Um, the night before they said <laughs> yeah yeah and it's their job to test them ahead of time and have everything everything that they need whether it's paper whether it's toner whatever it is all those things should be should be uh there so so that voting day goes smoothly i mean voting day i live in florida 
and election day went ex very smoothly everywhere in the state. We knew the results by, you know, before midnight, uh, the same the same day, uh, November eighth. We knew we knew the results in our state. What magic do you guys have there that doesn't exist, say, in Arizona or Michigan or Pennsylvania? Well, we we have, we have, you know, we have a system. Uh, there's no ballot harvesting in this state, and there is uh, a high degree of supervision. Uh, you know, there is a, sort of a a, a election um, board that is active on election day. Uh, we have hotlines to call if there's a problem, and. You know, we re, we've got, gone through several stages of reform, but the last stage that Ron DeSantis oversaw really sort of, uh, I think, solidified Arizona, uh, Florida as being a state that is very efficient when it comes to running elections. You know, we you had know, to get we had to get a, a few of a, a few get rid of a few bad apples in the in Broward County and West and Palm Beach County that were running the elections. Um, Brenda Snipes was her name. She was there forever. She oversaw the hanging chads, I think, as well as exactly, yeah, as well as the the vote fraud, uh, you know, uh, six years ago. I was I was looking up because I was wanting to look up the Al Franken uh, uh, story, you know, where the the boxes were because you're talking about ballot harvesting and the the Democrats continually seem to find these uh, trunks suitcases of votes under a table when they send somebody home or like at the TCF center here in Detroit, a couple of vans pull in, uh, you know, after the election is, you know, four o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden, whoa, hey, we got more votes. And oh, coincidentally, they're all Democrat votes. And that kind of nonsense, and I, here I go using that word again, that kind of criminality, you know, keeps occurring. And I mean, I, I was looking for the Al Franken thing and I found all these other I put boxes in trunks thinking I'd find just uh, the Franken story, the box in a trunk. And I'm looking at Brenda Snipe, boxes found in rental car at Fort Lauderdale Airport 2018, you know, or Massachusetts, thousands of mail-in ballots found days after the election. These are the headlines only. I'm not even going into the body of it. These are just, uh, you know, a new Project Veritas video, voter fraud in Elon Omar's district. Well, imagine that. And yet, you know, I'm thinking of, you're talking about ballot harvesting and we talked about the state legislatures and we know that in 2020, the state legislatures got overridden unconstitutionally they by did. governors and secretaries of state who coincidentally were Democrats. And oh, just, just like Hobbs in Arizona is a Democrat. Oh, and she's in charge of the elections and she's running for governor and she wins, sort of, maybe. So. There's a, this whole concept of uh, who gets to prevail in election law. And then they say, yeah, we're gonna put all these uh, uh, dumpsters to collect ballots in all these areas. And there wasn't legal. It's it now in Michigan, it will be because we got Prop 2, uh, which is a whole different story. But I'm thinking of in Pennsylvania, they were, they were saying, oh, we're gonna let uh, unsigned ballots, we're gonna let unsigned ballots be counted. like. What? That's against the state law. So they go to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court says, no, you won't. And then the Secretary of State says, well, yes, we will. And they do it anyhow. And then they get Fetterman. It's like, I mean, it's at some point, 
Yeah, I, I said this before, and I, I, you know, I said if we don't get a red wave, we might get uh, red pools. You know, not a, not a red puddle, but red pools. Because I, at some point, somebody's going to get tired of this, and we're going to have a civil war because our, our government's being stole, stolen from us. And it won't look pretty. And I'm not advocating it. Don't get me wrong. But uh, stuff happens. So, your turn. Well, I agree. I, th I think that our, you know, the, the, the voting irregularities, the fraud, the corruption really reflects the moral crisis that our country faces. And it, isn't it interesting that the Democrat Party has largely left uh, their, their Christian heritage. The Republican Party has done a better job at retaining it. And we find that the fraud is, while there's fraud on, you know, there's irregularities on both sides, the vast majority of the vote fraud is being committed by, uh, by the folks on the Democrat side who really, the party has been radicalized. You know, they really follow the precepts of Saul Alinsky where the ends justify the means. <clears throat> they really believe in their ends. Um, and really any any means that will get them to their ends are are justified and they will they'll break the law because they believe that their vision uh, is a higher law, if you will. At the ends justify the means. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, uh, and that that, that 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 really infects the Democrat Party. Uh, Solinsky, you know, contributed to the radicalization of uh, of the Democrat Party way back in the '60s, and it's just uh, <clears throat> you know, it's just continued to that long march through the institutions has continued, and yet we had a reprieve with Donald Trump. Uh, but <laughs> since uh, 2020, we've just seen that, you know, we've, we've just, it, it's really crazy what we've seen happening. And I agree with you, Ed, it's got to stop or there will be a revolution. You know, you mentioned Trump and, and what happened. And we have to keep this in perspective that it used to be when fraud, and, and when I say fraud, Sometimes this fraud is what you would call legal fraud. Okay, it's it's uh, right out in your face. It's where the secretaries of state write their own rules and it's not legal. The governors write their own rules and it's not legal. We saw the movie 2000 Mules and it's allowed. It's not like Dominion voting machines that, you know, there are claims made that they're switching votes and, and there are certainly problems with the voting machines. When you look at Antrim County, if it hadn't been noticed, Antrim County would have gone for for Biden instead of for I'm sorry for uh, yeah for Biden instead of for Trump, but somebody noticed that's impossible. And so I was oh yeah yeah we made a mistake. Well, how many mistakes are made that don't get caught? But nonetheless, now you've got a media that in the past would have jumped on that. Hey, if it's red, it, you know if it's uh, if bleeds it it leads you know. They'd be hot all over it for a news story as they just brush it under the table because what used to be the, the fourth estate, which was actually seen as a one of the branches of an unofficial branch of government, a watchdog group, you know, they became the fifth column, which is like the, the, the extra army that the enemy needed and right. they're covering. And so you get all of the the uh, stuff against Trump, the the 
disinformation, the Steele dossier, everything that went on. And I mean, instead of anybody lauding Trump for what he did for this country, it's all negative, 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 negative. So yeah, I mean, we, that's part of the problem right there, unfortunately. Yeah, the, 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 the fourth estate, the press, uh, the, the, the founder's vision for the press, of course, was that it would be another layer of checks and balances to, you know, to be a correction uh, and uh, ferret out corruption in government and so forth. But uh, the press no longer does serves that purpose at all. It facilitates corruption. It is part of the corruption. Yeah. So, um, Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I mean, I watch I watch Tucker. I watch it pretty religiously, but I I don't burn incense. But I I you know these Fox shows love to play the clips from MSNBC, CNN, and the other uh, left wing news sources, which you know used to be mainstays mainstays of you know reporting in this country, CBS, NBC, and they all parrot these same talking points as if they're getting the memo from the Democratic Party. We see it, it's like, it's no coincidence. They all say the same thing in a different variants, variant ways of saying it. If somebody breaks ranks and says, hey, wait a minute, I just saw, you know, shut up, you're fired. That people know what side their bread's buttered on. Yeah, it's, it is really uh, troubling that our, our First Amendment, which really protects all the others, it, it protects us. It is the first line of defense uh, of, you know, of freedom that our First Amendment has really been walked over and uh, suppressed and contorted uh, into, you know, into a really what, for lack of a better term, it's censorship. When, when you block voices, when you cancel uh, people, when you deplatform them now, uh, we we live in a different kind of a world where uh, Facebooks and and social media play a role much like the public square, much like they're an important part of the press, if you will. Um, but we're seeing some reasons for hope. The the viewership of the the major social media has declined. Uh, Elon Musk has taken over Twitter and it looks like he's really committed to free speech. That is good. Uh, and But other other media have arisen. You look at, uh, um, you know, Donald Trump's uh, uh, media, right? Truth Social. It's exploded. So there's reason for some optimism. Well, right here, you've got Radio Free Ann Arbor. You know, we also host Dave Janda on Sundays. And so there's a lot of avenues here. What kind of discourages me sometimes is to hear people poo poo Fox News as if they're part of the problem and they totally ignore the entire primetime uh, uh, lineup that's that's on our side that, you know, I don't know what happens on the news sources, but we have all these hosts that are definitely conservative and pointed out. And now Derek, the Swiss knife of army of, of I'm sorry, Swiss army knife of radio it's holding up the sign that says it's it's one minute. I thought he was going to hold up the score, which I think is uh, twenty to seventeen Ohio. But uh, Scott, you said you weren't able to stay over. I was glad you were able to uh, join us today, folks. We'll open up the phone lines after the break. Scott Powell, author of Rediscovering America. Thanks for joining us today and discussing this. Thank you. 
Absolutely, Ed, it's a pleasure. We'll do it again. All right, thanks, bye. So folks, come on back after the break. Hear the, listen to the music and come back. We'll play more music for you and then we'll talk some more and call in 734-822-1600. Folks, turn up the radio, Radio Free Ann Arbor. Thanks for returning to, well, I'll click it right. Your American Heritage, baby. <laughs> I got to get that to work better. I'm your host, Ed Bondarenka, and Derek has some exciting news for us. Derek, you're on. The Michigan Wolverines, spoiler alert, are ahead of the Ohio State Buckeyes right now, 24 to 20, about nine minutes remaining in the third quarter. So if you're DVRing this, we just gave you a spoiler alert, but we thought you might want to know. So that's good. And uh, yeah, actually, I have a couple friends who are actually texting me the scores we're going on, keeping us updated. We will keep you listen, keep you informed if indeed you are listening. So um, while we were talking to Scott Powell uh, before the break, I actually halfway imagined Scott was going to stay on. And as I said, the phone lines are open unless you're just, you know, wrapped up watching the game. Feel free to call in 734-822-1600 and bail me out because I need somebody to talk to. And um, we were talking about the elections and some of the stuff, that the questionable stuff, very questionable stuff that's going on concerning the elections. And it's very interesting that uh, Kerry Lake, and I mean, Arizona is a real bellwether for this. Thank God. I mean, here you got this red state, and they're saying, I don't think so. And so Kerry Lake, who should have been the governor, you know, should be the governor, probably will be the governor if things go right. She is, uh, she is now vowing a larger legal challenge after her first election lawsuit, which was supposed to be gaining uh, information for her second election. Uh, lawsuit uh, suing the Maricopa Election Board. These people are, for instance, uh, a guy running for the uh, attorney general, all right, a guy named Hamade. He's, and of course, Gary in uh, Phoenix could tell us more about this, but this guy Hamada is running for the attorney general. He's suing, he's filing a legal complaint. And then the guy who is the eternal attorney general, in, uh, in Arizona, the current one, he is actually suing right now. And uh, not suing, excuse me, but uh, he demands answers to the myriad voting issues in Maricopa County. This was foxnews.com. Arizona's attorney general's office is demanding answers to myriad problems faced by Maricopa County voters on election day, breathing new life into the campaign for Republican gubernatorial, love that word, candidate Carrie Lake, who has refused to concede to Democrat governor-elect and Secretary of State in charge of these 
tarnished elections, Katie Hobbs. So Assistant Attorney General Jennifer Wright sent a letter Saturday to the Maricopa County Attorney's Office demanding explanations for the election issues before the results can be certified next week. So there is hope, all right? So I had asked for uh, uh, callers and there was no need for me to ask Joe. Joe is calling because I told him last week he could. And so Joe, welcome to the show. And like Sherry wants to know, hey Joe, what do you know? Oh, hello brother, good to talk Hi. to you again. But kind of to follow up on last week's Saturday show's conversation, you had mentioned about one of the approaches to attempt to overturn the initiative in court and uh, prop three, well, two and three, actually. Well, I think I two think, was court. I think two was court. I don't know that three can be touched in court, but go ahead. I, I think it can, and let me explain why. And Please. shout out to David Coleman and the Great Lakes Justice Center. Dave, I hope you're listening, because we need someone like him and them to enjoin the Moore v. Harper case, which is the one about legislatures alone having the authority over election law, which would then invalidate, in my opinion, if they enjoin the case and file a brief saying that, one, it needs to indeed overturn both our ballot initiatives, because that is legislative function, and two, overturn redistricting, legislative function, which would restore the 2021 Republican legislator-drawn maps for 2024 to allow us to get the Michigan House and Michigan Senate back. Okay. Hey, you took a breath. That's good. So, um, yeah, so the reason that we had this redistricting uh, done by a commission instead of the legislature was because of another one of these insidious referendums, proposals, right? Exactly. And so that took that took the uh, legislative authority from the legislature, which, you know, it's it's kind of sad because if nothing happens during this lame duck where the legislature, you know, does come up, the, the, the leaders of the legislature come up and say, hey, we're going to court over this because next January, it's a Democratic legislature and I don't expect many complaints along those lines. And they are the people that would have standing in the case. Unfortunately, the voters who are most damaged would not. It would be the, the legislatures. I fear your standing uh, issue. And again, Dave, if you're out there listening, <laughs> it <laughs> might oh. might be true. Uh, and the problem is, of course, we we know the liberal activist courts in Michigan will drag it out. It needs well, you to know me. Dave's going to be on this show again soon. Now, I think next week we're having we uh, Mr. Thompson of through the Thomas Moore. Moore versus Harper case. Otherwise, the courts will drag it out. This legislature will disband, and a liberal court will say, "Well, you no longer have standing." You're no longer the legislature. There's a new legislature after January, which, you know, the case would be drug out into next year by. We've seen this happen, as I was alluding to, and there's that word alluding. 
Um, <laughs> as I was alluding to earlier in the, in the show, there was the uh, the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania saying, "No, we'll accept unsigned ballots," which was a violation of state law. And I thought it was the federal Supreme Court that told them, "No, law is law, and the legislature makes that law, and you have to follow that law." And so then she said, well, I'm not sure they mean what they mean and just kept doing what she was going to do, which was like, oh, that's great. What do you do? Like like it was said of uh, the Pope, show me his armies. Uh, in fact, I think it was even said about Marbury in Marbury. Somebody was uh, going to ignore the court and say, show me the Supreme Court's army. It might have been Jackson. I can't remember. Exactly. Exactly. We are expected to uphold rulings by liberal activist courts that are clearly unconstitutional when we know would be overturned if they reach the Supreme Court. But in the meantime, because the SCOTUS or even any court, even Michigan Supreme Court or local courts, they can issue orders all day long. They don't have an enforcement arm. Yeah, that's supposed to be the governor's office, the executive that's supposed to enforce the law through, say, the state police. And instead, they use it to chase down people not wearing masks or giving haircuts. You know, that's that's what we've got going on here. Um, exactly. It only matters if you have a rule of law governor, a rule of law AG, and a rule of law secretary of state. Otherwise, yeah. Any Democrat is going to just ignore what they don't like and go on doing what they're doing. I'm reminded of a phrase about some country, I think it was, that voted for socialism. And somebody said, good, let them have socialism, good and hard, you know. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hoping that the American people, and particularly the people in this state, I hope like, well, we were alluding to this earlier with, uh, oh, there's that word. I got to find another word. I need a thesaurus. But we were talking <laughs> about this earlier with the book of Judges, you know, and like every 40 to 80 years, things go to toast again. And then the people realize, hey, this isn't working. And they, they cry out to God and they go righteous again for a while. And I, I think that things are going to get so bad. Just There's a technical term. It's bad in this state that people's eyes are going to be open when they see late-term abortions or even, God forbid, post-birth abortions and uh, see all of the uh, stuff where their children are taken away from them, see all the stuff where their children are uh, turned against them or can go out and get their, you know, little Johnny comes home as little Janie and mom and dad say, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, and teacher said it's okay and it's, and it's too late. Uh, that's... That's the kind of stuff that I'm thinking is going to turn the stomach of Michigan voters and they will rebel next time. We thought they'd rebel this time, but we're going to have to do it in stronger terms. And frankly, I know people who didn't vote this time. It just shocks me that they're willing to admit they didn't vote. And yet they're yeah, willing I to complain. Say that. And again, I mean, how many times have I called into your show and we discussed the disgusting point of 40% of the Christians not even registered to vote, let alone not voting, and you know personal examples of that. If they were all registered and they all got off their butt, we'd be 
potentially unbeatable in most of these elections in a state like Michigan. Purple states would turn red. Red states would overthrow rhinos, and we'd have real constitutional Christian conservative leadership. Some blue states would become purple and competitive. And, uh, you know, it's you called into ART, so I know you were listening. It's like the bread and circus discussion. Unfortunately, today, there are so many distractions uh, that aren't directly put on by the government and, and discussed on ART. Unfortunately, companies like the NFL and Disney and all them, and who would normally resist governmental pressures to regulate and, and do certain things, in the name of woke chartism, are voluntarily virtue signaling and doing the things that the left through government has been trying to impose upon them. Yeah, you know, and, and you'd think Disney's bleeding. Disney's really bleeding. And you'd think they'd realize it's the wokeism, that the people don't want their wokeism. And so they fire their, 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 uh, their CEO, and who do they a point they bring in bob Iger again the very guy who gave them woke i just don't you know i don't yeah, get it I don't, I don't get what people are, are thinking of but excuse me a second we have some listener service what it's called uh but their latest and most woke movie of all time they've released today flop major flop and good Glad it's a flop. They need to hurt. I hope they lose money on that production. People ought to stop going to to the Mouse House too. Just just stop, please. We we know you love it. It's a family tradition. Stop. You're aiding and abetting basically the enemy. Joe, give me one second. I want to make two announcements. Folks, 734-822-1600 if you want to uh, contribute to the discussion. And also, we have some listener service here. Derek is going to tell us what just happened. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what happened. I don't have a video feed, but Michigan is still ahead of Ohio State, 24 to 20, about six minutes left in the third quarter. Ah, I see. Okay. Um, I have yeah, I'm I being the told. Listening to you, Michigan has got the ball, so I mean that's good. Twenty-five if yard penalty against Ohio or, State, and then another know. five yards on unforced error. Uh, error, and I'm being told that the uh, Ohio State coach face bombed himself. So yeah, that's that. I'll watch that. I'll watch the highlights. Yep. So, um, Joe, anything else before we go? Yeah, you had mentioned boycotting the uh, Mouse House, Disneyland, and Disney World. I mean, we're lucky. We've we've got uh, Cedar Point nearby. You know, they do some, you know, they still have some Peanuts-related, Charlie Brown Peanuts, Snoopy-related stuff there. So you have that alternative, or you also have... Kings Island in Cincinnati, that's not all that far away, that ha is associated with Paramount. So I, I forget what their cartoonish land type stuff is. It's been forever since I've been there. But, you know, they have some of that Disney-like stuff. Clearly not as much, but, you know, there are some alternatives at least. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of what the uh, Kevin Costner show on Paramount is right now. Um, named after the Yellowstone. Uh, uh, pardon me. You thinking of Yellowstone? Yeah, Yellowstone. I mean, that's that's not exactly lefty wokey stuff, you know, and that's Paramount. But you know, I mean, Disney is almost a religion. It's a family tradition, and and Walt, you could generate electricity off of him spinning in the grave. You know, this is not <laughs> what he intended for the company. That gave us Davy Crockett, gave us, you know, the Mouseketeers, no matter what happened to those kids later. Um, you know, the 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 wholesome elements that uh, the Disney franchise used to portray instead of encouraging kids to do disgusting things. So, yep. well, Joe. Okay, well, lovely brother, I'll listen to the rest online. Hopefully you could get another caller or have enough material to stretch. But again, I, you know... <laughs> Maybe you could get Coleman back on a show soon and discuss the more V. Harper. And if we can tie a brief regarding both Proposal 2, Proposal 3, and even the redistricting into those cases, because we've got to force it before the SCOTUS now. We can't introduce new cases. It has to be enjoined to force under that umbrella now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we have a guest for next weekend, uh, uh, next Saturday, uh, Mr. Uh, Thompson of Thomas, uh, the Thomas Moore Center. And um, so we're going to have some discussions there. I also want to have Will Wagner on again. I don't you know, I've always got this decision to make Will Wagner or uh, or Dave Coleman, and they each have a slightly different take on things. And uh, Will is more uh, the lofty principle stuff, you know, and Dave's the in the trenches stuff. And uh, so yeah, you have to see how that goes. Uh, that like I said, uh, actually, the uh, rug. differing uh, perspectives. Yes, exactly, exactly. So thanks for calling, Joe. Um, even right, though you're my only caller God and the only other person I have to talk to besides Derek and the other 18 listeners. Um, let's see now. What else is there to talk about? I did have some stuff here on a list. I'd like to play this clip for you right now. This is very interesting. Okay. Compare and contrast. This is James Comey about Hillary Clinton. Ready? Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. Yeah, so there's, you know, no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. Now, here's Merrick Garland, the current Attorney General of the United States, right? Based on recent developments, including the former president's announcement that he is a candidate for president in the next election, and the sitting president's stated intention to be a candidate as well, I have concluded that it is in the public interest to appoint a special counsel. So now, <laughs> pardon me, pardon me, but there's two things really wrong about that statement. And thank you, Jesus, that that guy is not a Supreme Court justice with that kind of thinking, if you want to call it that thinking. So there's two things going on there. One is that uh, he's, Continuing the narrative, you know, Trump bad, uh, Russia, blah, blah, blah. Everything is, you know, anti-Trump, anti-Trump. But to portray it as I'm doing this because he's going to be 
probably the candidate against the sitting president, my boss, Joe Biden, I am going to prepare a special counsel against him. Now, if that doesn't sound like political show trials to you, clean out your ears, buy some Kleenex, or uh, rather Q-tips, and then you know get some earwax removal kits or something. That is just political manipulation. And then what are the legal grounds that he's producing this special counsel on? Once again, well, let's listen once again. Based on recent developments, including the former president's announcement that he is a candidate for president in the next election and the sitting president's stated intention to be a candidate as well, I have concluded that it is in the public interest to appoint a special counsel. So the public interest, this man has determined that it's in the public interest for him to basically prosecute or see the prosecute uh, prosecution of the former president of the United States. What is it about the general interest of the population of the United States that makes this necessary? What, what could it possibly be? Could it be so that he's not elected president again? Now, I'm not, I'm not sure I want Trump to run in the next election. It wouldn't bother me at all if he was the next president, but I'm not sure that he can do as well in the next election as he did in 2016. We, we don't know. I mean, we've got a couple years to go. Actually, we've got a year before things really start rolling, even though Trump has announced already and he's uh, uh, started that process, I think a little bit prematurely and, and probably certainly uh, was premature when he did it, uh, when he did it regarding say Georgia coming up. And you know, when we talk about what's going on with the elections, um, the 17th Amendment took the power of appointing senators to the United States Senate from the state legislatures. Once again, the state legislature, power of the state legislature. So instead, you have general elections for senators from each state. And what does that do? That makes these races for, for the Senate, it makes them a national issue. I think I might have played a clip of uh, Fetterman saying, vote for me and I will represent the party. Not the people of Pennsylvania, he would represent the Democratic Party, which makes each state Senate election a national election where national interests get involved in e each faction. I say that to say this, if we wanna save the Senate, you need to support Warnock, I'm sorry, did I really say Warnock? Wow, uh, uh, Herschel Walker, you need to support Herschel Walker and defeat Warnock by sending money to Herschel Walker's campaign so that basically we save the Senate from being a 51-49 and retain the 50-50 tie that it, that it would have if Herschel Walker prevails. And he can only do that with money for advertising and the advertising hopefully to overcome some of the uh, uh, criminality that's going on some of the uh, um, election uh, fraud that's going on. If we can get a big enough vote down there, maybe we can overcome that in this election. It's very important for this for this nation that we uh, retain the Senate in its current state since we can't gain more. And thankfully we have the House. And so we could hopefully protect the nation from Joe Biden for the next two years.
Well, this has been your American heritage. I've been your host at Bondarenka, and Derek Stone has been your producer. And so uh, thanks for joining us and come back next week and we'll see you then. God bless America.